You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in the film study. And each and every week, we will be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter, at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter, at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? It's a good start. I can't get off mute. That is very much an off-season podcast beginning, isn't it, Shane? When uh, my laptop decides <laughs> to freeze over the mute button. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's very quiet time, isn't it? This is sort of the time when I feel like the film guys, myself included, are sort of grinding a little bit of college uh, tape while still trying to keep up to date with shows like this and Eagles writing. So I'm sort of in the midst of trying to get through as many draft prospects as I possibly can while still trying to keep my finger on the pulse of Eagles news. But it does feel like a very quiet time. It's quite nice in some ways. Um, yeah, but I'm doing well except for that, except for my house being absolute carnage. I rushed home to get home today. We don't talk much. Uh, we didn't talk much in the season about our home lives on this podcast, did we? But we're both going through crazy times at the moment. So uh, bear with us the next few weeks. Um, we're still going to try and get podcasts out as much as we can. There's still loads to discuss. Uh, it's weird because I've written for the past, I think I've been working with BGM full-time for three years. And I don't think I've taken a week off in terms of I've always scheduled something. So I'm pretty sure I've written something every week for the past three years. And there is always stuff to talk about, which is quite scary when you think about it. But there is always, like last week, I'd like the deadest two months. And I thought I'd go mad and just write a complete review of Run Game and learn a bunch of new stuff. So there's always stuff to talk about. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start like a little free agency uh, type preview. I know free agency is not for a while, but we'll try and get into a lot of players in depth. And we'll also talk about some players that aren't free agents, um, but maybe will come up in the free agency conversation. Uh, but yeah, I'm good. How are you? I've never asked how you are. How are you, Shane, as well? I'm good. I, that resonates with me. Like I am used to, when the Eagles season ends, dropping the NFL and throwing everything into draft scouting. And so it's a new experience for me. I typically do nothing with free agency. So I'm trying to do both this year. Uh, it definitely makes life a little hectic and it's made more hectic by the fact my house is being worked on right now. Uh, In fact, right next to me, exterior wall on the outside of that, they're framing up a new wall right now. I can hear them. Johnny can't. Hopefully you guys can't. uh, And hopefully that noise doesn't get louder and come through. But, you know, I'm living in a construction zone trying to do the NFL and the draft. So uh, definitely keeps us busy, but I always look forward to sitting down and comparing notes uh, on these podcasts. So we are going to dive in. And like Johnny said, we're going to do a lot of free agency preview things. We're going to start off with two guys who aren't free agents, but are entering the last year of their deal in 2024. And there's definitely been uh, some dialogue about whether one of these guys will move on or not. So we're going to talk about Hassan Reddick uh, and Josh Sweat. 
get, give some relevant cap stuff, some stats, maybe look at some film and kind of talk about where we're at with these guys. And uh, depending on our time, we may talk a little bit about Cox and grammar. We may save those for next week as well. So let's dive in before we do that. And I'm not going to do this every week, but I want to give a brief sort of salary cap rundown, how the salary cap works in the off season, because this will be relevant for any contract we discuss. Uh, I won't explain this every time, but this is the first time. So we're going to go through it. So uh, there's some relevant dates you need to know for the NFL uh, in the off season. March 11th is the beginning of the legal tampering period, which is basically when teams can start uh, contacting pending free agents and try to negotiate contracts with them. Uh, however, none of those contracts can be signed before March 13th, which is when the new league year officially starts. That's when contracts can be finalized. So if you remember a few, well, it was more than a few years ago, but when the Chiefs lost a draft pick for tampering with Jeremy Macklin, it means they were talking to him about a contract in advance of that legal tampering period. Uh, and so they got, they, I think they lost a draft pick for that. I still think the Eagles should have got that draft pick, by the way, but that's that's beside the point. So on March 13th, when the new league year starts, A, contracts can be signed. B, all teams must be under the salary cap. So you'll see like right now, teams are projected over the cap. That's fine. Come March 13th, that's not fine. Every team has to be under the cap. Now, between the start of the league year and week one of the regular season, rosters can hold 90 players. Obviously, the salary cap is designed around a 53-man roster. So there's a special rule in place from March 13th until the start of the year called the top 51 rule. Basically means that only your top 51 salaries count against the salary cap. It's what lets you build out that roster to 90 people. Okay, then the last thing you need to know, uh, we're going to talk, I'm going to show a sample contract here on the screen. Uh, there's a graphic. I'll explain it here if you're just listening on podcasting platforms. But let's say that you signed a player to a four-year deal with a base salary of $1 million a year and a signing bonus of $8 million. Okay. That means that player gets that full 8 million signing bonus up front and he makes a million dollars a year after that. But for cap purposes, that signing bonus is spread out over the duration of the contract. Uh, so in this example, that $8 million signing bonus, although the player gets it all up front, it only counts 2 million against the cap each year. It's always been this way. Teams recently have started tacking void years onto the end of a contract so they can stretch that out even further. Uh, and, and that causes dead money issues later, like we'll get to. So a term you will hear thrown around is a post-June 1st cut uh, or a post-June 1 designation. All that means, uh, if a team cuts a player before June 1st, all of that prorated signing bonus money accelerates onto your current cap year. So on the graphic here, let's say you cut this player after year one, you're still on the hook for that $6 million in signing bonuses. It would all hit you as dead cap in year two. Okay. Now let's say that you didn't want to do that. You can cut a player post June one. And then that means that the current year stays with just that 2 million and everything else would accelerate onto the following year, year three. However, uh, you know, say you were going to cut a vet, like say you were going to cut a vet, like Kevin Byard, the Eagles don't owe him dead money, but let's say they did. Uh, the NFL wants to incentivize teams, not waiting 
until after free agency. So you're allowed to designate two players as post June one cuts in March, if you want to. And all that means is we spread that cap out over the next two years instead of one. So does that make sense? Johnny, you're seeing it here. Uh, are the people going to follow what I just said, or do I need to clarify? I feel like anything? a school kid in a school shame. Like I thought I knew the cap and now I'm like, uh, there was something you said and I was like, oh, that's why. So I, I, I'm not very good at cap. People that have been following me for a while know I don't really like talking about money in my film reviews. I don't like talking about anything that people actually want to know about. So like wins and losses, uh, money in cap. I just talk about what player strengths and weaknesses are. And for some reason, people keep reading me, which is nice. Um, but yes, I think that did make sense. I was going to ask you then. So dead cap, which I, I know what that means. But when you showed the graphic earlier on then, if you cut someone, this is great podcasting, before June the 1st, it's called dead cap uh -huh. because essentially he counts the cap, but he's not playing for you because he's not on the roster. Correct. So dead cap is basically, yeah. Any yeah. Ah, I mean, I knew that, but when you phrase it like that, it, uh, it makes a lot more sense. That uh, nice little graph you've got in front of you. Yeah. If you're listening to this on a podcast, this is actually a good episode because we're not going to do too much film stuff, but it might be worth just going to have a look at the little graphics that Shane's got because Shane is a wizard at explaining things. Um, I'm not... Uh, so that was, I imagine that would be very useful for people. And there's a limit, you said. I, I also have, sorry, there's a limit. I also have on my YouTube yeah. in a, in a football 101 play yeah. playlist, I have a salary cap explainer and I did it last off season, but I actually looked at Hassan Reddick's contract and like kind of went a little more in depth, but yeah, dead cap just means you're paying a player to not play for you. Uh, and usually that's related to signing bonus money that you've already paid them, but it just has to count against the cap because it was money they were given. Uh, also, whenever you hear them talk about like restructuring a player's contract, generally what you're doing is converting existing salary to bonus money so you can spread it out over the duration of the contract and lower cap hits. So anytime you hear that, you're not get you're not creating cap space out of nowhere. You are just kicking that can down the road and you're going to pay the piper later. But the idea is the salary cap always goes up. So it, counting against the cap later is better than counting against the cap now because you have more room to maneuver in the future. There you go. That is a very nice summary. There was something else I was going to add. Um, I can't remember now. Um, what I was going to say is when you were talking earlier and I realized we called this like the first episode of our free agency preview and then decided to talk about two players who weren't free agents, which is also great podcasting 101. Um, so we probably should explain that a little bit. Um, so anyone that's been following the news of late will know that there was a lot of rumors coming out about Hassan Reddick um, potentially uh, asking for a trade. He then came out and said he didn't ask for a trade essentially, but there's obviously uh, the, the two sides are not essentially happy with where they are at. I think Reddick is clearly better than what he is currently paid as. Um, and the Eagles probably don't want to pay a player his age too much more money. Hence why we're going to talk about them. So as the stats man, I know you've got some good numbers as well. Um, so let's get into Reddick and Sweat. And they're really interesting players to break down because they just didn't have a very good end of year. Um, I must admit, I've half looked at your stats, Shane, and I have my own opinions. And I have a feeling that my opinions are not going to mesh with your stats this week. I've just got a suspicion because I'm a little bit pro okay. more pro-Reddick and I don't know if the stats back me up. Um, so let's talk about it. What do you want to start? Do you want to start with the stats or actually, no, you go through the contract of Reddit because you're better at that. Explain to me why okay. there is conversations about Reddit in the news right now, and then we'll get into him as a player. Okay. So if you look at the Eagles salary cap, they are projected to have somewhere around $40 million in cap space after they cut Kevin Byard, which frees up like 14 million. They're almost certainly going to do that. 
2025, the amount of free space they're projected to have is lower than in 2024. And they won't have a lot of contracts they can restructure that particular offseason. So in some ways, uh, you could argue that 2024 cap space is less important than 2025 cap space uh, this offseason. So when we talk about post-June 1 cuts, that's moving dead money from 2024 when the Eagles have more cap to 2025 when they have less cap. Now, you shouldn't worry about the cap too much with Howie. But it is something he's going to look at. And so if we look at Hassan Reddick's contract, he is under contract for 2024. It's the last year of his deal. And he will make $21.4 million. That will be his cap number. If he plays out that contract and then walks in free agency, he will count as $15.5 million in dead cap in 2025 because of the way his contract is structured. So the reason this became a conversation, obviously, if you extend him, you've made the contract longer and you can give him a bunch of signing bonuses and you can lower his cap number and kick the can down the road again. The issue is that Hassan Reddick probably wants to be paid like a top pass rusher. The Eagles don't want to pay him like a top pass rusher. And so now you find yourself in a situation where if you let him play out this deal and walk, it really hurts you in 2025. However, if you traded him before June 1st, it would save the Eagles $700,000 this season and they would owe no dead cap in 2025. So it'd save you a little bit of money now, a lot of money in the future. Uh, if you traded him post June 1st, it would save the Eagles $15.5 million this year, but it would be at the expense of $14.8 million dead cap in 2025. So the bet from a purely cap standpoint option, the best outcome for the Eagles is either to re-sign Reddick or to trade him before June 1st, which is, I think, where the trade conversation comes in. He wants to be paid. The Eagles don't want to pay him what he wants. And so I feel pretty confident saying uh, that the Eagles told him, hey, your agent has our blessing to talk to other teams, see if they will pay you that. And if so, we'll try to work out a deal that makes everybody happy in a trade. See, what I like about this uh, podcast is I'm learning while... Uh, you're talking so that makes a lot more sense and sometimes when you hear things when you're on a podcast it makes it more it makes it more straightforward so basically in simple terms for the listeners if he's traded it's going to be pre-june 1st um if he stays pre-june 1st it's extremely likely to be a restructure but the restructure could obviously come before june 1st um as well and he has been underpaid right. so reddick was a slight not a bust it was not a bust he was a good player but he had a few weird years at the start of his career playing in different positions um, found his feet, didn't he, with, didn't he, with the Panthers. The Eagles got him a really good deal. I think it was three years, 45 million, which when you look around the league compared to other top pass rushers, that's very little. So it's no surprise that based on what he's done for two years with the Eagles, he wants to be paid. Um, it does feel like very in the balance right now. If I had to put a bet on it, I would personally think he'll stay because I think the Eagles really value pass rushers. I said in a tweet, I think if Nolan Smith had absolutely balled out last year, I think it would have made the decision a lot easier. Um, so a lot, but the Reddick stuff is actually worth talking about now. It's not worth saving because it's going to happen almost certainly soon, sooner rather than later. And mm. realistically, you would expect that a team that's going to take him on would probably trade for him maybe after the draft. I guess it's possible, but there's not that much time left, is there? If you wait till the draft, you're cutting it fine if you want to go after Reddick. I think that if he is traded, it'll be before the draft because yeah. the Eagles would probably want draft compensation in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, I would look, if a Reddick trade were to happen, 
I would look for something to happen around the NFL combine because you get down to the combine, you get all the GMs in the same place. Uh, the combine is the 26th of this month uh, through the 4th of March. So it's that yeah next week. So basically, I think if you're going to see a Reddick trade happen, it's going to happen in the next two to three weeks. Uh, I think if the Eagles, because obviously the Eagles would address edge rusher probably in the first or second round of the draft as well. If they trade Reddick, if they don't, they probably wouldn't. So uh, I think their draft strategy would hinge on a Reddick trade. So if it's going to happen, I would say it happens in the next couple of weeks. Right. Gotcha. Now, explain to me why Josh Sweat is relevant to this conversation. We are going to compare the two because I think it's really interesting looking at the stats uh, next to each other, just because I think that's really interesting because you can really get a sense of the difference between the two players. So before we look at the stats, and Shane has always has got some great numbers, um, explain to me why Josh Sweat's, Josh Sweat's, oh my God, I cannot talk, Josh Sweat's cap is also uh, a relevant uh, talking point right now amongst Eagles fans because I didn't realize that was also quite an interesting situation as well. Yeah, so they're they're intertwined because both guys would play out the final year of their deal in 2024. And if you're talking about Hassan Reddick wanting to be paid, you know, as a tier one edge rusher and Josh Sweat, uh, I mean, he's not going to command Reddick money, but he's going to want a good contract. You're looking at extending two pass rushers in the same offseason when you just drafted a guy in the first round. Um and your quarterback contract is about to kick in and you're about to have to pay Landon Dickerson and Devonte Smith. And so there's a lot of high dollar players. And so in, in some ways it, it feels a bit like a pick one. Are you going to keep sweat? Or are you going to keep Reddick? And so Josh sweats contract is a little different than Reddick's. Um, he's under contract at 9.1 million for next season. If he plays that out and then leaves, he would count 9.6 million in dead cap in 2025. So that's smaller than Reddick's 15 and a half, uh, but it's still significant. Uh, if they traded him pre-June 1st, uh, unlike with Reddick, where it would free up cap, it would actually cost the Eagles an additional 5.2 million in cap this year. So trading sweat has a negative impact on the cap for this year for the Eagles. If they traded him post-June 1st, it would save them four and a half million this year, but it would still cost them that 9.6 million in dead cap in 2025. So if you're talking, you know, before we get to stats and film, just the best cap op option, it would be to extend Josh sweat because it would allow them to kick that dead cap hit down the road to the end of, you know, whatever his next contract is. And you're also at that point, you're extending a younger player instead of a player that's about to turn 30 and Hassan Reddick. So hypothetically, you know, if Josh sweat, how old is Josh Sweat? Is he like 26 right now? You would assume that we know uh, as Eagles podcasters, but as I said, there are many. He's, yeah, he's 26. Yeah. So versus Reddick, who's about to turn 30, he probably plays one more contract with the Eagles if they signed him. Josh Sweat could play eight, nine more years with the Eagles. And so theoretically, you could continue to kick dead cap down the road for almost a decade uh, if Josh Sweat has that sort of longevity with the Eagles. So uh, age aside, it would be a better cap wise if the Eagles extended sweat and traded Reddick. And then when you factor in the age, I think that's why it becomes a relevant conversation. Uh, and that's where the Reddick stuff came so from. So based on your lovely cap knowledge, you think it's unlikely they have the cap to extend both or want to extend both. You'd be surprised if that happened. Or do you think if Reddick's extended, there's still a decent chance sweat could be as well. I think there's, I think there's a chance they could extend both. Um, and 
Howie does a lot of things with the cap that are, it, it, it seems like wizardry. Ultimately, it's really kicking the can down the road. But the reason the Eagles are in this situation is because they have guys like Jason Kelsey. If he retires, I think he hits the cap next year for like $15 million. You've got Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, guys who we may not get to till next week. But basically any athlete that's been in Philadelphia for a long time, Howie has continued to kick dead cap down the road. And when they eventually leave, you have to pay up. you got to take your lumps there. And so you've got several older players, you know, Darius Slay, uh, Lane Johnson, and all these sorts of guys that are maybe nearing the end of their careers. And that's when you're really going to have to settle up that dead cap. So that's why it becomes a concern. Cool. That is really good. Uh, yeah, we're not necessarily cap guys on it. I mean, you are. You're very good at everything like this. So I'm much more of a film geek. Um, but that is really useful. And it also adds a lot of context when you're watching the film. It's very easy for me just to say, well, sign Reddick because he does this or sign Sweat because he does this. Um, but that actually puts into a lot of context. So with that in mind, we thought on this episode, we spoke about what to do off air. We decided let's look at both players, uh, but let's talk about them sort of holistically and let's compare them first of all. So I can do a little bit of film stuff as well in terms of what I remember seeing from the two of them this year. Um, do you want to go through, first of all, should we have a look at some stats uh, comparing the two? Um, I will let sure. you explain this because you are much better at me and I'll chip in after. Okay, uh, you can ignore if you're watching uh, on YouTube. If you're listening, we'll talk about these as always. But you can ignore Brandon Graham. Uh, he's just on here in case we get to him. But I have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat's numbers from both 2022 and 2023. Uh, and where they rank. Um, at least in 2023, where they rank amongst all edge rushers with 25 or more pressures. Uh, all of these stats are from Sports Info Solutions, uh, with the exception of the true pressure score, which is something Brandon Thorne charts. Uh, he's one of the uh, top like trench play uh, analysts in the game, so go check him out if you're not. And then the quality of competition, which is comes from PFF's uh, pass block grading against offensive tackles. So if you look at Hassan Reddick versus Josh Sweat, uh, you can see both guys dropped off this year, right? Both had phenomenal years a year ago. They both kind of dropped off this year. Uh, Hassan Reddick had 11 sacks, which ranked 14th amongst edge defenders, while Josh Sweat had 6.5, which ranked 43rd amongst edge defenders. Uh, if you look at their sack percentage, Reddick was at 2.2%, which ranked 39th. Josh Sweat was at 1.3%, which ranked 67th. So Hassan Reddick clearly uh, better sack, better sack numbers, better sack percentage. What gets interesting is when you look at the pressure numbers, um, there's always debate amongst guys like, is sacks the best thing? Like, should we chart pressures instead? Because there's some degree of luck to sacks. Like you can beat your guy, but the defensive tackle loses gap integrity. And so instead of getting a sack, you get a pressure and the quarterback scrambles for 10 yards or, you know, there's all kinds of things like that. When you look at pressures, Hassan Reddick had 62 pressures. Josh Sweat had 60. And if you look at their pressure percentages, Hassan Reddick had 12.6% pressure rate. Josh Sweat had 12%. So Reddick was still better but it's a lot closer. And then you factor in like the holds that they drew. Hassan Reddick only drew one hold. Josh Sweat drew four. Like presumably those holds take away sacks or at least take away a pressure. That's 
that's you had your guy beat and he grabbed you and it lost the offense 10 yards. Like you could argue that a hold is pretty equivalent to a sack. It moves the offense backwards, right? Um, And then if you look at their points saved per rush, which is basically it's a sports info solutions metric that tries to say like out of the EPA on this play, we're going to assign assign it out to the individual players on the field. What were they responsible for? Uh, Hassan Reddick ranked 35th and Josh Sweat ranked 55th. And so again, Reddick's better. He's played better. He's performed better. But the gap, depending on where you look, uh, might not be as big as you think. And then if you if you look at Brandon Thorne's true pressure score, he actually has Sweat ranked significantly above Reddick uh, at 14th versus 30th. And so when he when he breaks down pressures and sacks, he breaks them down into different categories like rare high quality, high quality, uh, low quality, you know, unblocked, whatever. In the four years that he's charted this, he's never once charted Hassan Reddick with a rare high quality rep, which I think bears mentioning. And so then the final thing that's on this chart, uh, it shows the quality of the competition that they've faced. This comes... Uh, uh, Philly Film Rooms put this together using PFF grading, uh, and I'm going to toggle over to this. This shows the PFF pass block grades uh, that Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick faced this year. So Josh Sweat faced five times against a, a tackle that ranked top 10 in pass block rank. Four times he faced a guy ranked 11th through 20th. Hassan Reddick didn't face a top 20 pass blocking tackle the entire season. And, and so... What it comes out to is that Hassan Reddick faced uh, the average tackle he faced was the 52nd best tackle in the league, while the average tackle that Josh Sweat faced was the 25th best tackle in the league. And so when you look at the numbers, I think that context is important that we see Reddick pop more in a game. He gets more sacks, he gets more pressures. He's facing a lot easier competition off that right side than Josh Sweat is, too. Most of the time, the Eagles like draw up stunts. They're for Hassan Reddick. And so that does have to factor in uh, if you're just going to look at like raw sack numbers. That is absolutely fascinating, um, seeing them side by side. I'm guessing that the reason why Brandon Fawn, and by the way, if you don't, um, if you're a film geek like us two already into stats, Brandon Fawn's uh, film room is unbelievably good. And um, he has a sub stack like most people do these days. If you're interested in like defensive line, offensive line play, there is simply no one better. I would assume, and I'm actually, um, I do subscribe to Brandon Fall, and I'm actually going to try and get his numbers, uh, or he, you can request plays off him as well. So you can request like all of Reddick's uh, um, pressures and stuff and sacks, or maybe just sacks. But I'm going to look at that as well myself at some point. Um, that true pressure score, because sweat being 14th is high. Because I'll be honest, the biggest takeaway from me is a very basic stats, guys. Neither of them look that good. Like Reddick's stats, oh, sorry, um, sacks are obviously good at, um, with 11 at 14, but the rest of the numbers are pretty average. Like 14th and 19th in pressures, I guess, is okay. But then we look at press, pressure percentage, they're actually very low. And it's just because they play a lot. And um, their pass rush score is pretty average. Um, I would assume Bradham Fawn has the true pressure score of Reddick quite low, basically, because I take it he takes into consideration who they're up against. And I'm assuming yes, that yes. Yes, the high quality rep stuff is the idea that Reddick essentially, which the film backs us up, by the way, doesn't beat elite offensive tackles. Um, and we're not going to get too heavy into the film here, but I've been watching Reddick a lot of late. And the reason why is basically, if you ever watch Hassan Reddick, um, 
I have described him, and it's actually quite interesting. I tweeted this out, my pre-Eagle signing summary of him. And I feel like I nailed it, if I'm being honest. Um, I spent a lot of time watching Reddick. So I'll read out some of the things that I said when we signed him. And I did tweet this, if you have a look at my timeline. Um, but I said that he is simply not somebody who will win consistently and get constant pressure. I said, if you think the Eagles have signed someone who can do that, you'll be disappointed. Athletic tackles can block him quite easily and take him out of the play. Um, but this is why I'm going to defend Reddick. So I made a really odd comparison because sometimes I'm weird like that. And I said he is like a, Desha a Deshaun Jackson on defense, which doesn't really make any sense when I typed it. But I left it in there because um, basically my point was that he's a splash player. I called him a game wrecker. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of pressures, but he will make huge plays because when he wins at the line of scrimmage, he can sack the quarterback before they even back before they even hit the back foot of a three-step drop. And I think this is where the Reddick Sweat is really interesting. Josh Sweat is a better athlete. He's bigger. He's got longer arms. Uh, he can disengage better. Uh, he can. You see him win uh, late in the down in terms of when the quarterback's like trying to extend the play. Reddick is a missile. Like when he goes, especially against weaker offensive linemen, he wins so quickly. And that is why the pressure to sack uh, ratio is so much higher. I think when it comes to Reddick, I think sometimes that can be a little bit unlucky. Like sometimes you get loads of pressures and you don't get sacks, and the next year you get loads of sacks, but. You don't get as many pressures and you think you're quite lucky. I don't think that's a fluke. I think Sweat takes longer to win because he's a little bit more um, slow off the line. He has to sort of use his long arms to disengage and it can take time. Whereas, whereas basically when Reddick wins, he just like flies to the quarterback. Like he has snaps where he absolutely flies off the ball. So I think it's really interesting. We're making the, two, we're making the comparisons, what the Eagles will prioritize. I think you can argue for both sides. I think you can argue the way the NFL is these days that explosive players on defense matter so much because one or two plays um, are so valuable. Um, but that was a few years ago when offenses were winning consistently. And it was almost like defense's best bet was not even to stop the offense, just to get a few turnovers. Whereas now we're seeing defenses quite consistently stop opposing offenses. I think passing EPA is down across the league. It's lowest this year since about 2008, I think I saw the other day. Um, so I feel like there's a really... It's a, it's a really difficult decision, actually. It's not going to be an easy one. If Reddick doesn't get a really big offer, like if someone comes in and gives you a crazy high pick for Reddick, uh, you take it. Um, as much as I like the player, you do take it. I would say I think the one thing in Reddick's favor is I think he's more clutch than Sweat. And I hate the word clutch because I'm a film guy. I'm like, what does that really mean? And like, is anyone clutch, etc. But I feel like Reddick does deliver on big drives. I feel like Reddick has had sacks to end games. I feel like he is the kind of guy that at the end of the game seems to get better. He doesn't slow down. Sweat's also had a lot of injury problems when he was younger, which is why he fell in the first place. Um, but it's a really interesting comparison. It's a really interesting comparison because I feel like they're quite easy players to analyze. Um, one thing we should say is that the numbers were down for both of them last year, and I don't think the scheme helped them. I don't think the Eagles are very good. I think Reddick's versatility is also a weakness. So I think Josh Sweat gets lucky because he's a straight-up pass rusher. He just gets asked to rush the quarterback more, whereas Reddick doesn't just rush the quarterback. If you go back and look at Reddick for the past two years, he's played QB spy at times. He'll rush from a linebacker position. He'll drop into coverage, sadly, a lot more. There's almost like uh, sometimes I don't like versatility. I think versatility can be massively over-exaggerated by guys in all sports at times because it's very much like well, you have to do something. If you do everything averagely, that's sort of irrelevant. I'd rather you be elite at one thing. And I think Reddick's versatility actually harms him at times. So I don't think he gets to just out and out rush the quarterback like these elite guys. 
But I think those numbers paint a picture that Redick is not a top pass rusher. Uh, if you're after a game wrecker, a splash player, then I think Redick is a guy you want. But if you are after consistent down uh, pressure, I don't think he's that guy. And I think if he wants to get paid like a top 10, top eight type pass rusher, he's going to struggle when you look at those numbers. Because you know agents and teams are bringing those numbers to the table. And his agent will just be looking at sacks. And the opposing general manager who wants to sign him will be looking at pressures. And there'll be a big debate there between the two, saying how much is he actually uh, worth it? Um, so, yeah, I think Reddick's a better player. I think Reddick is not as talented, as weird as that sounds, but I think Reddick has one superpower, which basically means that when he wins, he invariably always sacks the quarterback, which is a massive uh, advantage. Um, one, a really good, like, example of what I'm talking about in just terms of, like, the quality of competition is go back and watch the week nine game against the Cowboys because the Cowboys had uh, Tyron Smith starting at left tackle is future hall of famer. And at right tackle, they had Terrence Steele. in that game. Josh sweat got dominated by Tyron Smith at left tackle. He had 36 pass rush reps against Tyron Smith. He only got two pressures. Not good. Meanwhile, Hassan Reddick has 44 pass rush reps and got seven pressures and a sack. But for 12 reps in that game, they put Hassan or they put Josh Sweat on that side and let him rush against Steele. And in those 12 reps, he had four pressures and a sack. And that sack was down at the goal line that basically uh, allowed the Eagles to win that game. So you look at that game and you say, oh, they had roughly equivalent days, seven pressures versus six. They each got a sack. But almost all of both of their production came rushing against the same guy. And Josh Sweat only got to do it for 12 snaps. So, and that, and again, that I am not arguing that Josh Sweat's a better player. I don't think he is. I, I, I think that coming into the year, I said that Josh Sweat was tremendously underrated across the league. And at the start of the year, it looked like that. Uh, and, and then he really fell off and everybody fell off. I do wonder if Josh Sweat just can't be that volume of a player. And to be honest, that when it comes to a contract negotiation, that really works in the Eagles favor. Like you had one good year and then we gave you more reps and you kind of fell back off and it may relate to the knee issues and things like that. I don't know. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about when he was at Florida state, he basically never practiced because of like degenerative knee issues. That's why he was a first round talent that fell to the fourth round. Cause there were major medical concerns and they've never manifested themselves in Philadelphia. He's been healthy. But you do wonder in the back of your head if the extended snaps last year, he just wore down because of that. Um, I think where I ultimately come down on this whole thing is, I mean, Reddick is a better player. Sweat will be significantly cheaper to re-sign. And if, if Reddick wants that $25 million, you know, that's kind of up there at the near the top of the edge market, I just don't think that extra money is worth it to go from sweat to Reddick. And so, you know, like I said earlier in the cap stuff, it's easier to move on from Reddick than sweat at this point. If you think you can go win a Super Bowl in 2025, which should, or 2024, I guess it would be the 2024 season, 2025 Super Bowl. That's so confusing. I think the Super Bowl should be in December, by the way. Let's move everything up. We can stop having to do this. But if you think you can win the Super Bowl, you push the chips in and you do it. You shouldn't just move on from Reddick. But if you realize like we're not going to be work it, 
we're not going to work out a deal and we can get, you know, a second round pick in the draft, something that you're happy with, then I think that's where you consider it. So Reddick's a better player than Sweat. I think the stats bear that out. The film backs that up. But I think the gap is closer than Eagle, a lot of Eagles fans might think just based on looking at the sacks and things over the last two years. Yeah, I think two things that you hit on there that I think are worth mentioning as well is that Reddick does face tight ends. Um, some of that's by design, but teams definitely like try and do funky things with Reddick more than they do Sweat, which I think is interesting about maybe how opposing offensive coordinators see him. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to talk a little bit about scheme fit as well, um, because he was obviously having a new defensive coordinator. And I have sort of one idea about this. But before we do that, just because we're talking film a little bit, I wanted to give just the audience two little clips, which, in my opinion, would summarize like what they are like as players. So we're not going to go into a great film detail here. Um, this is my favorite Reddit clip. Um, there's a few I had from last year, but this is one from the Chiefs. And I'm going to show two sacks, obviously, because it makes sense to show those clips. Um, he beats a tight end chip here, and then he beats the tackle. Um, and he look at the speed he gets from. Firstly, he's out wide. I think he's better as a, in a five man front with a four. Um, that speed to bend the edge is rare. Like if you're not watching this, this was a play against the Chiefs, and he's in a five man front, which I think is worth a talking point as well. I think Reddick's better standing up as a rusher, and I think depending on what the Eagles do next year. But like the way he turns that corner, I used the word missile earlier on. Uh, that is a missile hitting Patrick Mahomes. Um, the speed he generates sort of through contact is incredibly unique um and that's what i think of when i think of reddick whereas when i think of josh Sweat, um i think of slightly not slower but slightly uh longer he's lengthier i think i imagine i haven't seen a spider chart of him for a long time but i imagine he's got very good arm length um because that's how he plays so i've linked a clip here of josh Sweat. i think this is against the giants uh might have been from the season before last although he wins quickly he, the offensive tackle does get a hand on him and Sweat has to disengage, but he does have flexibility to bend the edge as well. He's not completely different uh, to Reddick in that sense. I think they both win outside, ideally. They're both players that can rush uh, around the corner. Um, and this is a good example of like one of my favorite Sweat plays, if you're watching. Um, you can see how I, his arms Johnny, are really strong. Yep. I get, just a peek behind the curtain. I thought I shared my screen and I've been sitting here watching this play four times. <laughs> and then I went to go unshare it and realized I never shared it. So that's fine. We're running. It's just one clip there. Um, I think 
talking about scheme fit, Shane. So I want to end, and we said we'd probably just get these two done. And in true style, we have spent too long on two players. We will push uh, Graham and Cox back um, to next week. Um, I want to end a little bit of scheme fit because we don't know what Fangio is going to do. I think, right, if you think like big picture, if you want to go heavy on this idea of unpredictable rushes and players that can drop in coverage, five-man fronts, but you bring four, one edge drops into coverage. People are going to hate me when I say this, but Reddick is a far better fit. Reddick can drop in coverage. I know he's terrible at it, um, but he's not. No, that's no, that's not fair. Sorry. But no, the Eagles used him terribly. Reddick can drop into coverage. He's not good at it but he can do it. The problem last year was that the Eagles didn't disguise when he dropped into coverage. He was literally lining up as the most obvious player to drop into coverage. And if that's the case, it's a waste of time. But if you think big picture philosophically, the Eagles want to go more five-man fronts. I don't know what Fangio would do. Fangio was actually a bigger 4-2-5 guy last year, as we've discussed. But who knows? The Eagles have got Jordan Davis. They've got Jalen Carter. They've got Milton Williams. He might go, this is a five-man front team. Um, he might go Jaden uh, Carter and Milton Williams. There's your two uh, free techniques. Uh, Jordan Davis is your nose tackle. And here's what's interesting. Nolan Smith can do it as well. Nolan Smith is not good at dropping into coverage either, just like Reddick. But most pass rushers aren't. But can they do it? Yes, they can. Compared to someone like Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat, who I really don't think can basically do it at all. So I think we might learn a little bit about Vic Fangio as well. I think if Fangio keeps Reddick and extends him, I think they might push to maybe a little bit more of an unpredictable five-man front uh, where you're going to ask Reddick or Smith uh, to drop. If Reddick goes, then I think they're going to commit to more of a four-man front. And I know Vic Fangio isn't going to have, like, say, over Howie in the contract, so I'm not saying read too much into it. But I think there is a little bit of scheme element here. I don't have any stats on this because, as I've said many a time, I don't look up things like this. Uh, but I wouldn't be stunned if a lot of Reddick's explosive plays come from when he's like he's lined up in quite a wide alignment because of the way he plays and i would imagine uh that well i don't need to imagine i know this for a fact that obviously having a five-man front will allow your edge defenders to be slightly wider and um, because there's less of a gap um whereas i would bet josh sweat is probably better hand in the dirt rushing uh quite close to the line of scrimmage because he does have long arms um, and it's easier for him to disengage than it is. I don't think Reddick wants to be touched, basically. I think Reddick wants to basically get past before the offensive tackle can put a, a, a hand on him. Um, so I think there's just an interesting little uh, film element there. Uh, I can see while we're talking, you brought up. How the hell did you do that so quick? Um, well, I'm I'm fast. Whilst I'm talking, Shane has pulled I... up both their, uh, uh, what do you call them, spider diagrams, whatever you want to call them, from Mock Draftable. I have their RAS charts too, but I thought I'd show you these first. So uh, Hassan Reddick is on the left. Josh Sweat's on the right. So uh, obviously Hassan Reddick is much smaller. First percentile yeah. height and weight. Josh Sweat is 71st percentile height. Still small. Uh, you mentioned Sweat's wingspan was 94th percentile. Wow. Uh, they both are extremely fast. Uh, Reddick edges out Sweat 98th versus 96th percentile for the 40. Uh, Sweat had a better vertical, 96th versus 83rd percentile. Uh, Reddick broad jumped better. Sweat had a better 20-yard shuttle. Uh, Sweat did not do the three-cone, so you can't compare those. And the three-cone is probably one of the bigger ones for uh, edge rushers there, just for straight comparisons. But uh, those are the spider charts. Uh, you mentioned those. And then there's their RAS cards, if you want to take a look at those too. Uh, these are both run as defensive ends. 
just so they're using the same weights. Um, Hassan Reddick has a 9.7 relative athletic score. Hassan Reddick a 9.06. And you can see their actual like 40 times and splits. Looks like they did a three cone for sweat. Probably it is pro day because he includes official pro day results. And his three cone was actually better than Reddick's, which surprises me just a bit. So basically in everything athletic testing wise, uh, they're either comparable or sweat is better except for the jumps and Reddick was a better vertical and broad jumper. Yes. Yeah, sweat is a freak athlete, elite speed grade, elite ability grade, elite uh, explosion grade. Um, it's not really rocket science. Is it when I say that Reddick's probably better in a fireman front when you look at his height and uh, mm-hmm. weight. So I think it's interesting. Um, I think sort of summarize, I am, I'm think I'm more pro Reddick than I've seen online. And I think I'm more pro Reddick because I maybe prioritize philosophically splash plays and sacks more than pressures. I worry a little bit about how different companies chart pressures sometimes. And I think that sacks are very easy. And maybe it's because I have a very basic mind, Shane. And I just can see someone sack the quarterback. And I worry sometimes about, well, how do you determine pressures and how long did that pressure take to get? I think pass rushes that can win within three seconds are vital. Absolutely vital. Um, I would not be opposed to bringing them both back. I worry massively about Sweat's health. Um, I also think it's fair to worry about Reddick's age because Reddick is ahead of an explosive player. And let me tell you, if Reddick loses a step, he's done. The arm length, uh, the inability to win um, that we've seen to disengage, I think Reddick's done when he loses a step. So I, in a dream world, I wouldn't mind Sweat on a slightly cheaper deal than maybe you'd hope because of the knee injury. And then Reddick can do like a short-term one to two-year extension. Um, I'm of the opinion that the Eagles should compete immediately um, with the players they've got. And I think the age of the roster, I think while Lane Johnson's still there, I almost basically want to compete while he's there. So I would be looking to do everything they can in the next two years to compete. Um, But I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, Unless Nolan Smith turns up massively, like make no mistake, they are both going to be needed. um, And they will both be missed if either of them are gone. The one thing I will add that I've changed my mind from this podcast, and I'm always very honest, I do change my opinions. I'm not stuck in it. Is I did not realize how bad the offensive tackles Reddick went up against were this year. Um, that's a really interesting thing to look at about how much better they were, the guys that Sweat faced. And that does give me a slight pause for thought um, about what Reddick wants to be paid. I think if Reddick's looking for top 10 money, I think there has to be a point when you say, as you've said, go and find, um, see what's out there. Um, but that's really interesting. I mean, I podcast on it, so I'm biased. Uh, but I learned a lot from you uh, while sitting here. And I think hopefully uh, something a little bit different this week, but obviously you're in the off season now. So if people do want to get in touch, give us your opinions in the comments, uh, please feel free to tweet us. Um, is there anything final you wanted to wrap up with Shane on the two of them? Cause I think that's basically me done to be honest. Yeah. For, I, I would like for them both to be back. If Reddick is looking for miles Garrett money, 25 million a year, which is top five edge rusher. Uh, so currently Nick Bosa is 34 million a year, TJ Watt 28, Joey Bosa 27, Miles Garrett 25, Montez Sweat just signed for 24 and a half. Um, I, I would not want to pay that sort of money, but if you get down to like the Trey Hendrickson money, 21 million, uh, Von Miller 20 million, like if you can get into that 19 to 20 million range, I'm totally comfortable paying that to Hassan Reddick. Uh, my fear is that Reddick has played below market value. I mean, he signed that $15 million a year 
deal had his what was it 16 sack season now an 11 sack season um at approaching 30 i kind of think he's going to want to get one more like really good contract so i don't know that he's going to be interested in signing like a two-year 42 million dollar deal like if i'm his agent i'm going to the table and i'm saying hey we want we want a four-year 25 million dollar a year contract or something like that and that's something I would just be really hesitant to see because as you mentioned, like edge rushers can play older, right? I mean, TJ Watts dominant at 30 Khalil Mack is 33 Von Miller's 35. I mean, not that those guys had great years, but Reddick is a bit of a one trick pony. If that athleticism starts to slip, uh, he, he's pretty much done. So um, I hope they're both back. Uh, but this is where that conversation comes from is from those cap considerations and things. And I do think, uh, and I, I'm probably higher on sweat than most. I don't know that I'm necessarily lower on Reddick than most. I think I'm probably just a little higher on sweat than most. And so that's where I get those guys a little closer, probably. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm not. I mean, I, I love Josh Sweat. I, I've written about him for years. I think the Eagles have underused him his whole career, basically. Um, I would worry that there's more injury wise than we've seen because I just most, as we know, he played this year and the numbers aren't great. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me, to be honest, Shane. I think it's an interesting episode, and I think uh, I think we'll find out more. So we'll probably revisit this soon, because as you said, the, the Reddick stuff's going to come down sooner rather than later. So I imagine we'll be having a conversation, not as long next time, but I imagine we'll be having a short conversation about Reddick uh, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys, after you listen to the episode, you can go yell at whichever one of us on Twitter that you disagree with. It'll be great fun. Uh, but that is going to wrap it up for this episode of On the Shane Page. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to look at some other players. We mentioned uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, both guys who are pending free agents, uh, but both guys who want to keep playing. And we'll go through some other, not that the Eagles have a lot of free agents, but we'll go through some of those guys in the lead up to uh, the official opening of free agency on March 13th. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, give us feedback. If there's specific things that you want to hear us talk about, uh, to get our take on, we're more than happy to do that. So shoot us a message on Twitter. Uh, stay tuned to the BGN radio feed. Give us those likes, subscriptions, downloads. That really helps us out uh, with everything that we're doing. So we will catch you guys next week on another episode of On the Shame Page. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.